the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that he created us in his own image and sacrificed his only begotten sinless son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. You're not going to repent and live right and walk right after you leave this church house then God's saying, be quiet, you're sounding brass and tingling cymbals, and I don't hear those who, whose hearts are hardened against God. Look at the latter part of verse 13. It says, so he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. In other words, the Lord is saying that he will not accept an offering from those who are living in rebellion against him. I don't care how you live. If you're living bad, an offering, no matter how big it is, will not appease a holy God. He says, clean up your life, then bring an offering to the Lord. The Lord is saying he will not accept an offering from those who are living in rebellion against him. Look at verse 14. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between me, between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion, your wife by covenant. The phrase, yet you say, for what reason? The priest and Israel attempted to play ignorant on God. Uh, they were playing ignorant before God as if they had no inkling or idea that they were committing spiritual adultery by abusing the sacred institution of marriage. Marriage is a legally binding contract and covenant made before God who is the unseen witness. The priests knew the law and were responsible for dispensing the law to Israelites and the Israelites were just as guilty because they too sinned knowing what the law of God had decreed. Proverbs, just jot this down. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 17 says, Who forsakes the companion of a youth and forgets the covenant of God? During this time, during this period of time, Divorce was practiced exclusively by men. The men broke their covenant agreement with God before their wives, some of whom uh, were, were as young as 15 years of age. 
their wives were. And uh, the Bible says the two become one. They totally disregarded God's original design for marriage, for marriage is a covenant relationship before God who made man and woman one flesh. Say one flesh. Look at verse 15. Are you looking with me? Hang in there. Now, don't get too mad, so mad you tap that page. Leave that page in there. <laughs> Verse 15 says, but did he not make them one? Uh, underline that. Don't be afraid to write in your Bible unless it's not your Bible. But did he not make them one? Having a remnant of the Spirit. And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Now, underline that. I'll get back to that in just a minute. He seeks godly offspring. Therefore, take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. In verse 15, the phrase, but did he not make them one, goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24. Now, hold your hand in today's passage, and I want you to go all the way back in the first book to the first book of the Bible. Because this, this, this passage, this phrase here, is a reference back to Genesis 2. But did he not make them one? Genesis chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, it says, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in his place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woe man, and he brought her, not him, he brought her to the man. Verse 23, and Adam said, this is now bones of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Beloved, in God's original institution, he made the two become what? One. Only one man and one woman. God did not marry two men or two women in the garden, and neither did he give Adam two wives or Eve two husbands. Polygamy was not in God's original design. Beloved, God created the family to raise up godly offspring. According to Genesis 1.28, God gave a command to be fruitful and multiply to Adam and Eve in order to have children and teach them the word of God to affect this world for righteousness, which will bring about the stability and civility to society. In other words, I want you to hear me real well. He says, be fruitful and what? And what? And that ought to be in the context of marriage. And the height of selfishness is when the Christian family does not want to have children for the sake of selfishness and inconvenience. And when we fail to produce children, we fail to be a godly influence on society being salt and light in a dark and decadent society. It's a dangerous thing when heathens have more children than Christians because this better equips Satan to fight against God and the church while our own ranks are diminishing 
because we don't want to have children because we don't want to disturb our comfort zone. I'm the oldest of six. Three boys and three girls. My daddy, Sanders Draper, he's a sibling. He has 15 siblings. 16 of them boys and six girls. And you know what? They made it. They slopped the hogs and then got pork chopped from the hogs. Amen. They, we went and under the smokehouse, you got your eggs. And after you get the eggs, you get the chicken. Rain the neck. I don't know what animal rights would do back then. And the chicken would flutter all over the place. Then you pluck the chicken. You clean the chicken. You singe the chicken. You fry the chicken. And you ate the chicken. Why don't you say amen? Amen. Amen. I really believe what Paul said. For any man don't work, he don't eat. If you didn't run catch that chicken, you didn't eat. Amen. They made it. They made it. They knew how to walk up to the spring. We walked to the spring and we caught rainwater off that tin roof. And we didn't worry about bacteria because the Lord is our shepherd. And he took care of us. Amen? We went hunting. In my neighborhood, I see little Bambi deers all over the place. But those deer would not survive back in Greenwood, Louisiana. They're all in my front yard. I said, somebody, get me a gun! Deer sausage, deer meat, amen. Get that hog, hog moats and pig feet and pig ears and chitlins and some of y'all so sophisticated, you act like you can't eat that stuff. Wasn't no H-E-Bs back then. Do I have a witness out there? Wasn't no freezers back then. You just sorted it down. Do you know what? God kept it. Now you put something in the refrigerator the next day, you got to throw it out. Talking about I can't afford it. With 16 children, yeah, you can afford it. God will make a way. What you mean you can't afford it? Your parents, amen, you, listen, your parents, most of you, very few of you, if I know from most conversations I had, most of your parents didn't have much. How many of y'all parents didn't have much? But they had you. Now you can't have nobody. A 5,000, 7,000 square foot house, just a husband and wife, paying all that extra square footage, taxes on that, paying all, paying for all that cooling space. Ain't nobody but you and your husband. Can't nobody even come over and spend the night. Won't adopt, amen, won't even support a child over in Uganda. Just selfish. The more you get, the less you do. I, I believe I know why. Because it, it, it was so long when we didn't have it. And now that we got it, we just can't let it go. You actually, okay, you keep getting selfish what you want. God will give you what you want. You want selfishness? God said, I'll turn you over to your own selfishness. You don't want to have no children? One, that's all you want? Now, if you can't have them, and God, that's all God, you tried, and that's all. I'm not talking about you who tried and tried and can't have children. The adoption agencies, all kind of things going on out there. Amen? 
Amen. We just had a whole program here last Sunday about adopt a child. I mean, we, we have advocate. We don't just say don't do abortion. We give alternatives to abortion. Amen. Because a lot of parents are waiting for children. You understand what I'm saying? But some of you, some of you, you don't want you. You want one. You pray for one, and then you say, God, don't give me another one. <laughs> or two. Or three. We, got, we have two here and one in glory. We have, th- we have three. I still got a child I got to see up there. But, but what I'm saying is, is this. You walk around here and don't want any children. God turn you over to yourself. Then all of a sudden you keep aging. And all of a sudden you seven. And all of a sudden nobody check on you at Christmas. Uh-huh. Can't nobody look after you. Start losing your mind or something start happening. They can abuse you in a nursing home. They can do anything. Nope. I mean, nobody. God said, well, that's what you wanted. You said you wanted to be selfish, so I just leave you by yourself. And you don't want to be turned over to this system that believes in youth and Asian. I mean, where, where they just killed, you know, just, just, just put them out. Just put them out. I want everybody to turn to Psalms 127, 3 through 5. 127, 3 through 5. I'm going to take my time with this series. And you got to come back the next two or three Sundays because it's going to get deeper. Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5. Look what it says. When you find it, say amen. Amen. Psalms 127, 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a what? It's not a curse. It's a what? It's a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy! Say happy. happy. Some of y'all get miserable. Oh, I'm pregnant. Oh, my God, what I'm going to do. <laughs> but the scripture says, happy, happy, happy birthday. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Full of what? They shall not be ashamed. Don't you be ashamed of children? Amen. Now, if you're having them the wrong way, you ought to be ashamed and repent. Amen? And stop trying to cover up your sins. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. I have a question, church of God and visitors. I have a question I'd like to ask you. Why did God create the holy institution of marriage. Why did he go through the trouble? It wasn't no trouble, it was a joy, but why did he create the institution of marriage? Number one, to reflect the kingdom of God on earth. To reflect the kingdom of God on earth. Just jot this scripture down, I'll read it to you. Ephesians 5, 23 through 24. To reflect the kingdom of God on earth. Ephesians 5, 23 through 24. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. The marriage relationship is intrinsic to the church. The godly marriage represents Christ just as the church represents Christ. When marriage operates on the basis of the original design, 
it becomes a clear picture of the kingdom of God on earth that arrests the attention of onlookers to the point that they desire what we have because they see love in the Christian home, submission in the Christian home. The picture of the family ought to be a picture of the kingdom because they see selfless, sacrificial service. They see trust in the home, obedience in the home. They see worship in a way that they have never seen before in the home. Listen, when you see love, submission, unity, selfless, sacrificial service, trust, obedience, worship, Listen, when you see all of that, you see a picture of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy what? Will be done. The family ought to be a picture of the kingdom on earth. However, the sad commentary is that instead of the family being a model on earth, the Christian family as we see it today has been blurred and distorted with multiple divorces. The Christian family has been distorted with adultery and pornography materialism, pride, reversal of roles, uh, drunkenness and bitterness, only repentance and the realigning of our marriage back on biblical principles can clear up the distorted picture that the church currently has on display. If the family is going to be helped, it will not be through the Democrats or the Republicans. It will not be through Hollywood. It will be through the church The church, but the church has such a distorted picture of what the family should be that the world can't even get the right picture when they tune in to the church. Number two, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, God created the family because he wanted suitable companionship for Adam. He wanted what? Suitable companionship for Adam. That's why God created the family. In Genesis 2.18, Genesis 2.18, just jot it down, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. God gave Eve to Adam as a help meet for him, which literally means a helper fit or comparable for him. God gave Adam someone who could relate to him, understand him, and help him. So God gave uh, the family because he wanted suitable companionship for Adam. Number three, God created the family in order to ensure the process of procreation for the continuance of the human race. I repeat it again. It's such a big one. God created the family in order to what? Ensure the process of what? procreation for the continuous of the human race. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, uh, verse A, it says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful, and what? Multiply and replenish the earth. And in today's text, in Malachi 2.15, there's a phrase I told you to underline just a little while ago, It says God has created the family. It says in Malachi 2.15, God created the family uh, because he seeks godly offsprings. You see that right there? That is so critical. He seeks what kind of offsprings? 
And so if it's going to be a godly offspring, it needs to come out of a godly what? Home and family. The procreation of the human race through the family was God's original plan for mankind from the beginning. Now, Satan has undermined marriage and has severely damaged the family through selfishness and carnal gratification, which ushers in all kinds of sexual perversion. We can clearly see Satan attempting to cut off the propagation of the human race through abortion and same-sex marriage because he does not want Christians to produce godly offspring. That's why he promotes abortion. That's why we live in a culture of death. As a matter of fact, death is promoted even above life. When Christian families produce godly offspring, guess what happens? The gospel will be witnessed to liberate the souls of our children from the state of lostness and transfer them from the family of Satan into the kingdom of God. Therefore, Satan assaults the family with divorce. He assaults the family with what? Divorce. Number four, God created the family to encourage self-control. Say self-control. God created the, fa- the marriage to encourage self-control. 1 Corinthians 7, 9. Just jot it down for time's sake. God created marriage to encourage self-control. 1 Corinthians 7, 9, it says, it is better to marry than to burn with passion. In other words, if you do not have the gift of celibacy to be able to live your life without need of sex, a want or desire of sex, but live your life as unto the Lord, if you can't live a life of abstinence, then you'll be wise indeed to petition God for a spouse, a Christian spouse, to keep you from being taken advantage of by a promiscuous society in which we live. Everybody don't have the gift of celibacy. And if you can't contain yourself, ask God for a husband or a wife. And you say, well, I can't wait. Yes, you can. Who gave you what you got? And the God who gave you what you have can help you and control your passionate desires. Verse 16, you're hanging with me? Verse 16, for the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce, for it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. In verse 16, the verse opens up with, for the Lord God says he what? He hates what? Divorce. You see, the Israelites were not to sin against God by divorcing their Jewish Jewish wives and intermarrying with pagan women. Beloved, the scripture is clear. God hates divorce, which means that he detests it. God means what he says and says what he means. In the church today, there is a severe deficiency on teaching on divorce and remarriage. And if there were more of a strict view taught on divorce and remarriage, I believe there would be fewer divorces in our churches. Very few pastors are teaching on this critical subject. Or if it is taught at all, it is taught lightly, loosely, and liberally. 
And maybe many pastors can't teach on it because they themselves have had two or three divorces. Why do couples divorce? Why do couples divorce? Number one, couples have conflicting personal beliefs. Conflicting personal beliefs. In other words, there is a difference of opinion regarding religion, child rearing, moral and ethical values. That's why you ought to get counseling, Christian counseling before you're married. So you can resolve some of these issues and not discover them after the fact. Couples have conflicting personal beliefs. That's why they get divorced. Number two, couples' marital satisfaction decreases. In other words, one partner may feel they are not satisfied with having only one mate because she or he just doesn't satisfy me any longer. Couples' marital satisfaction decreases. Number three, Cruel treatment or physical abuse is a reason why many divorce. Cruel treatment or physical abuse. Normally, the husband abuses the wife, but now you got more wives beginning to abuse the husbands. Number four, bigamy. A person marries a second time while a previous marriage is still in effect. But five, it's going to get quiet. A per- <laughs> Imprisonment. A person does not want to stand by their man or woman during incarceration. Number six, spousal indignities. A husband or wife commits an act that is a humiliation, disgrace, or embarrassment to the spouse or the family. Spousal indignities. Number seven. Many divorce because of institutionalization. A spouse is committed for mental health reasons. Number eight, selfishness. A marriage that has constant friction because one always wants to have their way. Selfishness. So I'm tired of that selfish man or that selfish woman. Number nine, excessive credit. And conflict over how money will be spent. One is a spender and one is a saver. And wisdom and communication are not exercised in the spending of household funds. And sometimes you have marriages where both of them are spenders. That's even worse. (laughs) Oh, that's a whole nother issue. I wish I could elaborate by 15 minutes on each one of them. As committed children of the only true and living God, we walk by faith and not by sight. Life on earth is not easy. Yet, even in the midst of trials and tribulations, we have joy, hope, peace, strength, and God's blessed assurance as we face trials. Best yet, we look forward to hearing our Savior say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant, and eternal life with our Lord and Savior. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, Please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.